In the book of Revelation, chapter 3, we are talking about messages to the churches. And uh, these were very real churches that existed, communities of faith in these seven towns. Now, some have suggested that um, maybe God was painting a picture of church ages. Um, some feel very strongly that way. Others do not, but uh, it's all right. Um, the Bible doesn't say that they're not. So, you know, there's nothing wrong, as I've told you many times, with sanctified conjecture, as long as the thing you're conjecturing, the Bible doesn't say to the contrary. Okay, the Bible says it doesn't happen, then you know you're out of bounds. <laughs> but uh, I probably just, this is just personal opinion, and I'm not suggesting you have to follow this one, that these are probably spiritual conditions that exist within every church age, uh, whichever uh, you may be referencing, depending on what happens in, in the churches. And uh, I think that's probably true with, with uh, Sardis. Um, <clears throat> I'm not sure. There are some who would try to identify a period of time when uh, the, the church, uh, it appears from reading about Sardis that the church about washed out. Uh, we know that it did cease to exist in Sardis. That's a tragic woe. They didn't take the lesson that God wanted them to receive um, as a particular uh, community fellowship, the local church of, of believers. But the lesson is certainly there for us. And that's why I'm, I'm uh, bringing this to us tonight. It is the order, of course, of the way they're presented in, in Revelation. We've been in chapter 2, and now tonight we break into chapter 3. And uh, we're going to talk about Sardis. Sardis. Um, Sardis was the capital city of a place called Lydia, a region of the Roman Empire known as Lydia. And uh, so... While it has some prominence because of that, a, a trade route uh, city, it isn't necessarily one that's made its way into the annals of, of uh, history. And so you probably didn't study Sardis uh, as you do some other of the ancient Roman metropolises uh, in your world history. But nevertheless, a very serious lesson for us and yet one that uh, I think inspires hope, at least to me. Because while at times you may not see things happening around you in ways that you would like to see, there is that that inspires you to be true and to be faithful and to hold on and know that you can become an overcomer. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's invite the Lord to minister to our heart tonight. The one she so beautifully played about um, this God that put something within us that longs for him. You, O oh Lord, are my strength and shield. To you may uh, I yield. And, and uh, as we prepare to receive the word from the Lord tonight, let's ask him to do that for us. Father, thank you that you are uh, the real joy giver. 
You are the one that came to show us the reason to live. And it's so that we could be in fellowship with you and have connection with you. Father, you put within us, Augustine said, that God-shaped vacuum. And we will never be happy when you're missing from our life. And so we pray that you would just strengthen that within us that yearns for thee and enjoys you and fellowships with you. And then, Lord, help us tonight as you teach us about the reality of some who lost their way. And you don't want us to lose our way. So we're praying that you would teach us how to stay vibrant and dynamic and alive. And, Father, may you be pleased to let the Spirit uh, of the Holy One come down and flood our hearts with thy truth. We pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Boy, you talk about a contrast. Be watchful. Strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so just let me read that last verse again. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto Trinity Holiness Church. May God be pleased to speak to each of our hearts tonight. You say, Brother Cole, um, the churches, are we a church? Yes, we are a church. We are part of the called out. That's what the word church means. The Greek word, of course, is ekklesia, and it just simply means the called out ones, those that have been called out of the world in sin and those that have been called in to the sweetness of a fellowship with Jesus Christ. And uh, those who have been uh, called unto holiness, church of our God, we sing it because the scriptures say that you have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You have been called, Paul said, unto holiness. And we believe that. But while this is a message written to churches, I am reminded that the singular address in the beginning was to the seven stars. 
And these stars were the pastors of the churches. You remember that. And uh, so that is important then for me as one in leadership, uh, as the pastor of this church, but any of you who take a role in leadership, whether that be a board member, whether that be a Sunday school teacher, uh, whether you hold any particular office in the church that gives you uh, some vestige of authority uh, here at Trinity, the message is to you, those who are giving leadership and administration to what God wants to do right here at Trinity. So there's a special warning to us because God will hold us responsible and uh, accountable for the things that he has to say to us as a people. And uh, I am thankful for that, that the seven stars got the message. Some of them responded. We know from, from history, Sardis, unfortunately, is the church that didn't respond. And it was one of the first of the seven, historians tell us, to be laid in ruins with no existing church, no ministry, and influence that was gone. So may God challenge my heart and yours. The seven spirits of God. Where did we learn from the first church the seven spirits of God are? They are before the throne. You say, Brother Cole, there aren't seven spirits of God. And we know from reading scriptures that uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt, huh? Worship the Lord thy God uh, with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are Trinitarian only because the scriptures reveal that um, God has manifested himself to us in three personalities. The uh, fatherhood of God, and sometimes we call him God the Father, his son, the blessed and, and the eternal son of God, and then the uh, personage of the blessed Holy Spirit. But those three constitute one eternal Godhead. And so when we use the term Trinity, there are some that say, oh, you believe in three gods. No, we don't. We believe in the one God eternally existent in three personages. And uh, so I am grateful for that tonight. So why does it say seven then? Seven is the word of perfection. It's the word of completion. It's the word of fullness. And we're going to see why he used that term as he spoke to the church at Sardis here, that there is no fault or anything lacking in the spiritual ministry of the Holy Ghost who is before the right hand of the majesty on high. And along with the Son of God, he begins to pray for you and interprets your prayers. I thought of that, Brother uh, Mayhew, as, as you were talking about maybe uh, uninterpreted prayers in the human heart and understanding. But uh, the word of the Lord says the Spirit can take um, those groanings 
reigns and interpret them before the throne of grace. And what he is saying here when he uses the term the seven spirits of God, he just simply is saying that for every church age, for every local congregation, for every pastor or for any church worker, there is enough of the fullness of the spirit to meet every challenge of our day. And I say, hallelujah. God is not going to leave you with anything lacking in your resources to be everything that God wants you to be in 2021. The fullness of the spirit can be yours. The fullness of his leadership, of his direction, the fullness of his empowerment can be there. They didn't have anything in the 40s that we can't have in 21. Hallelujah. And I love to read church history. I like to read about the movings of God and the revival efforts at the turn of the century and, and Phoebe Palmer and, and blazing a trail across this country for holiness and whole denominations that were swept into the holiness movement. People began to understand the fullness of God. But as I was meditating again on this truth tonight, God reminded me that what he did back then, he is still able to do today. That H. Rob French doesn't have anything over on me as far as a personal relationship with God. I can know God in his fullness and be as spiritually strong as he was. And I would say that to you, Wesleyan Methodists. Let me say something to you, former pilgrims. Who may not to worship at the shrine of H. Rob French. So I'll talk about R.G. Flexen. And there is nothing R.G. Flexen had in a walk with God that you can't experience in 2021. Amen. Amen. God isn't leaving us without a witness. One of the blessings that has come to my mother in recent years and, and days, and she shared it uh, sometime more than once, that God is the faithful witness. Came right out of the book of the Revelation. The faithful witness. That's because the Holy Spirit isn't going to run out on you. And he will help you to meet every challenge that you experience in life and you can come through with the victory. Amen. I know thy works. Now we've had this before that God isn't hidden from anything that I'm engaged in, any activity that I do, any works that I perform, any involvements of mine. God knows me absolutely forwards and backwards, and he knows you as well. Some of these evidently got the idea that they could hide some things from God, but you will never be able to snooker God. He knows you fully. He knows what motivates you. He knows what you're involved in. He knows what you're running from. He knows where you're getting your jollies. There are just so many things wrapped up when he says, I know your works. I just want to remind us of that tonight. And the sad thing is when he knew the church of Sardis works, he said, you had a name. You have a name. Well, one of the names that was given 
in the New Testament, and we find this in the book of Acts, uh, was the way. And uh, people would make reference to Christians being followers of the way. One of the other names that they were sometimes given was, Marvin, you might like this one. They were known as Nazarenes. Nothing to do with the modern day uh, uh, movement of the Church of the Nazarene, but that's where they adopted that name because it had come to us down from the early church. Uh, clear back in, in the, the book of Acts, and they were known as followers of the Nazarene and many times got called Nazarenes. And um, I was interested that, oh, back when we were hearing about ISIS and some of these kinds of things just a couple of years back or so, uh, one of the things that they were marking the doors of Christians with and believers with, they put a bloody in on their door, marking them as being followers of the Nazarene. Followers of the Nazarene. These people had a name. The sad thing is, it should have suggested life, spiritual life, eternal life begun below now fills my heart and brow. We sometimes sing it, but it's got to be more than a song because he said, I know your works. And while you're still flying under the banner of the living Christ of the Nazarene, perhaps are followers of the one who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. You're dead. You don't have any real spiritual vitality. It's got to be more than a name. It's got to be more than just saying, I go to a holiness church or saying, I'm Wesleyan Arminian in doctrine. It's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than just saying, I'm part of a Christian nation. I, uh, you know, and you may have had a grandmother that shouted the victory. Thank God if you do. But can I tell you, flying under her banner isn't going to be what gets you within the gates. There's got to be something that suggests to all of those who observe, not just a name, but there's a change that has come. There's a life that you're living. There's something spiritually dynamic about you that God, the Holy Ghost, is ministering in and through you. They had a name that they live and are dead. Hmm. Lifeless church. A lifeless church. It's almost seems like a paradox. How can you say that? Except I've lived a while. And when I was young, I couldn't have understood that. I had the tendency to think everybody was the same. But the Bible makes a real distinction as we read these verses here that there are just some in the church that are spiritually alive, some churches that are dynamic and full of the Holy Ghost and faith, and there are some churches who simply have a name over the door. You know, Jamie's got a friend that's a Lutheran, and so he makes Lutheran references once in a while. I would to God that the Lutheran churches we know today had the spirit of Martin Luther in them. 
they'd still be willing to nail their 95 thesis to the door and say, we believe this. This is our conviction that Jesus is the way and salvation is by grace through faith. And that's the way you become a new creation in Christ. And I want to tell you, it isn't all in the formalistic churches that have lost the way. It can happen to little independent churches like this one. Until we have a name, Trinity Holiness Church. But there's not much power of the Holy Spirit in our Trinity. There's not much holiness among the membership. Thou hast a name that you live and art dead. Can I read something to you? I don't do this very often, but I did want to read to you the comments. Mr. Matthew Henry, um, you can get Matthew Henry uh, revised edition that takes some of the wordiness out. The only bad thing is they usually cut the good stuff out when you get one of those. But if you have uh, Matthew Henry, it comes in about four or five volumes uh, most of the time if you have the full thing. But uh, interesting. He sounds like a holiness man, although he would not have ascribed um, to our doctrinal position of a second work of grace and the baptism with the Holy Ghost. But you'll soon learn that he knew God. You see, it isn't your doctrine that God's going to hold you responsible for. It's whether you've walked in the light. Whether you've walked in the light and you're allowing him to do for you that that the Spirit of the Lord is coming to do. And he says this church was not really what it was reputed to be. They had a name to live, but they were dead. There was a form of godliness, but not the power. A name to live, but not the principle of life. If there was not a total privation of life, yet there was a great deadness in their souls and in their services a great deadness in the spirits of their ministers and a great deadness in their ministrations, in their praying, in their preaching, in their converse, and a great deadness in the people, in hearing, in prayer, and in conversation. Was, uh, um, um, now hang on. And the people hearing in prayer and in conversation, what little life was left among them was in a manner of speaking expiring and ready to die. Now, you say, Brother Cole, are you pointing a finger at us? I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying, dear heart, that the possibility exists that we could become that way. until we degenerate in just a name and no real spiritual power and vitality and fire. You have a name. They were languishing, verse 2 says. That simply means they were uh, characterized as, as being lifeless, but there were some things that were breathing and, and still had perhaps an essence of life, but even those were getting ready to die. Languishing, even though the Spirit was available to them. <laughs> 
God had for their age everything they needed. And you will never stand before God and say, Oh Lord, I did pretty good until about 1918, or, or I mean 2018, but something happened when COVID hit and I began to wash out. Something happened and it's just not the same in 2021 as it used to be back in the early 20s. Dear heart, if that's the condition, confession of your heart, then do something about that condition. Do something about it. Find your place of prayer. Get alone with God. Seek his face until something burns in your heart. You will never say, God, it wasn't my fault. It was the cold church's fault. It was the dead church member's fault. It was the pastor's fault. You will never be able to say that. If you are so unfortunate as to wind up in this condition, it will be at the rejection of everything the Holy Ghost could do to keep it from happening. Lifeless, languishing, verse 3, lacking in their works. Lacking in their works. Now, there are some who might suggest that he's talking about the number of works. And generally, when there's lack of revival fire, the works do begin to die out. You know that. You live in the real world. Some of you have been around the church for a long time, and you understand that. But I love when revival spirit hits a church. And people want to pray and people want to testify. People want to show up early and people want to witness for Christ. And, and I've just been sensing a renewing of the Holy Spirit right here at Trinity. I say, praise the Lord. Keep praying, saints. Keep holding on. Keep trusting God. But uh, probably not in enumeration, but uh, in, the, in the completion of those. Some hadn't been pressing their way on to holiness. That needed to happen. They'd heard the message. Hmm? They'd heard the message. John had been faithful as he is the one giving credit to the birth of this church, the ministry of John the Beloved. It's interesting, uh, Caroline and Michael and Cheyenne. John was probably the youngest of the disciples. And there were some that would say, John's not going to do anything. He's just a punk. But he did do, do things. And he went here. And one of the other places, he, he looked like he kept making that westward movement and circled around. I think John is the one giving credit for the establishment uh, of the church. Well, I was going to say it, but uh, I'm not sure now that I, I say that. But we know he was faithful and God used him. But he is the one who saw revival right here at Sardis. Was it because John was something that you cannot be? Was he? <laughs> He'd just been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. His heart was alive. He wanted other people to come to know him. And he was successful in starting a work at Sardis. Some were incomplete in their pressing on to holiness. What they tell us they actually gave way to was buying into mystery cults. 
there's some people who as you know they do all right as long as we're jumping pews and running aisles and swinging from the chandeliers I mean, if you like that kind of religion, I like that kind. That's the kind I was born in. Amen. I like that kind that's full of dynamo and lots of emotion and enthusiasm. And hear the saints out and run the aisles and, and jump the pews. And, and wow, people get under conviction. The altars begin to line. I like that. I really do. But it's not all in the shout. I understand that. There has to be an accompanying work of deepening and going deep in the things of God and anchoring our faith to a full, more full understanding. There ha that has to be anchored to a life of sacrifice. There's any message that I think is it has left us as a holiness people today. It's Brother French and his message of sacrifice and the demands of sacrifice, the demands of fasting, the demands of saying no to self and uh, giving yourself to the place of prayer and giving yourself to the study of God's book. And I think that evidently must have been an issue right here at Sardis because uh, they had the name and they were satisfied with the form. But no godliness and no power. Their works were incomplete, imperfect works, incomplete works. I think everything I looked up suggested that understanding of this word perfect. We know that is uh, one of the translations of this word. It's not that you ever get to the place where you can perfectly do anything, perfectly sing a song or teach a class or preach a sermon or, or whatever, but to, you can do it and make up for it in your zeal and your joy and your faith and know that you want him to get the glory for whatever happens and thank God for works that are completed by the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But that wasn't happening here at Sardis. I have not found thy works full and complete before God. So what do you do? Give it to you quickly. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard. Do you remember when you first heard the gospel message, when somebody preached to you about the importance of understanding your accountability before God, that you were going to stand before him as your eternal judge, and you're going to hear one of two sentences, either enter into the joy of thy Lord, or you're going to hear, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's only two sentences that are given to us in the word of God that talk to us about our relationship with him and what we will hear when we stand before the dread judge of all time. Dear heart, one of those sentences will be yours. Either enter into the joys of thy Lord or depart from me, ye wicked, into everlasting fire. Do you remember when you first heard that? 
Do you remember when you heard, though, that if you came to Jesus and you confessed your sins to him, that there was one who had spanned himself between sinful man and the holiness of God on a place called Mount Calvary and gave his life on the cross of Christ. And if you would trust the work and the atonement and the blood of Jesus, he would forgive you. He would change you. You could have eternal life. You could live with the assurance of heaven. You could know that when you stand before God that you're going to hear those words enter into the joy of my Lord hallelujah prepared from the foundation of the world can I tell you dear heart God wants you to hear that one do you remember when it happened maybe you remember the evangelist that preached maybe you remember when the Holy Ghost began to beckon your heart do you remember not just what you received from a human preacher but this word heard has a deeper intensity. It simply means when it gone in on your understanding, maybe when the Holy Ghost slipped in beside you, put his arm around you and said, what about tonight? He was preaching this message for you. He was doing this so that you could get it clear with God. Oh, dear heart, do you remember? Some of you ought to take a trip down memory lane and say, when I got in, this is the way it was. This is what happened. And God changed me forever, made me a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away and behold all things became new. Do you remember when it happened? God wants it to be more than just a memory of something in the past. If you got happy and you got joyful and you were radiant then, you ought to be happy and joyful and radiant now. If you're in the molly grubs, get out. Come to Christ. He can renew you. He can thrill you again. He can bless you again. You can have the shine of heaven again if that's what you want. You will never be able to say, well, the old church used to. Let me tell you, dear heart, we don't have the old church. It will never be brought back into existence. But we have everything the Spirit of God wants us to have for 2021. Hallelujah. And you can still be full of the joy of the Lord. <laughs> it can still be your strength. And you can still shine for Jesus. And you can still shout the victory. And you can still give God the high praises. If all you have to do is look back, then you're in trouble. But he said, remember the way it was when you received the word, when the gospel came to you, when you heard it and God dealt with your heart. Blessed be his name forever. He said, remember Therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast to those teachings and those truths that they gave you. And when they told you that God would forgive your sin, believe that. Hold on to it. When they told you that Christ was the everlasting atonement for your sin and the sins of the world, hold on to that. Don't surrender it. But you see, they began to lose the thrill and these mystery cults. Oh, they had an oosiness about them and, and an eerie feeling. And uh, they would tickle your emotional, oh, oh my, oh, feelings within. And uh, so many of them began to, well, they didn't at first reject perhaps the church altogether. They just wanted something with a little more excitement in it. And so they began to have two 
allegiances, one to the mystery cults and one to the old church. They didn't want to fall out of favor with their friends. And so they began to buy into false teachings and that there were pluralities of gods and uh, you can communicate with your dear departed mother and, and on and on they could go. And God says we don't do that. Amen. So he said, remember, hold fast. But here's the key word, repent. What does it mean to repent? What does it mean to repent? Is it just saying, I'm sorry? How many of you have had your kids tell you that? How many of you have ever preached a sermon right back at them? I have. And while the discipline's taking place, you've had to tell them, I've heard sorry a thousand times. What were you looking for? Somebody just to say sorry. Is that what you were after? If that's what you were after, you're short-sighted. And I've had some people say, well, he said he was sorry. No, he's not sorry if he doesn't change. He's not sorry if he doesn't do different. Amen. That's what God knows. You can confess Jesus as Lord all you want. You can tell him you're sorry for your sins all you want. But if there's never been that that causes you to have an absolute about face change, and that's the definition of repentance. It's when the mind changes totally about your attitude toward yourself and your sin and your rebellion against God. Instead of thinking it's okay, you turn and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I have offended you and I'm going to be different and God will help you to be different and to make a complete about face change and a turnaround and the things that you once despised or perhaps laughed at and scoffed at those become the things you embrace hallelujah you made fun of the holy rollers and God turned you into one hallelujah because you repented and you let go of the old sinful past blessed be the name of the Lord they had to go I love the, the old time older services that we used to have, especially there at Fairmount Camp. And I don't know if any of you old Western Methodists ever made it to Fairmount, but there at Fairmount Camp, they had double rows of altars about 50 feet across that big old tabernacle there. And we'd have clean up after the older service because some people had repented. And we'd get uh, 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 cigarette packs and we'd get, uh, wow, compacts and, and lipstick tubes and, and the playing cards and, and just various things that people would put down before the Lord, telling him they repented, they were turning around, they were going to do it differently. You see, you're not sorry if you keep sinning. You're not sorry if you keep doing the things you know are displeasing to God. You haven't repented unless you turn around and you go a different direction. Hallelujah. That's what God told Sardis they needed to do. I wish I had a glowing report to give you that that's what they did. History tells us differently. History tells us differently. And yet the faithfulness of God to call them to repentance. Oh, they had some things to remember. They'd been receivers. 
of the truth the gospel message. They'd heard the call to repentance and there was a day when that convicted their heart and they did that very thing. But now he's asking them to come back and do the first works and they're unwilling to do it. But can I tell you, dear heart, tonight, we're going to have to come back to the last part of this and get the rewards to faithfulness in, in another time. But I want to tell you tonight, if you want to have everything God needs you to have in 2021, some of us are going to have to repent and say, Lord, I'm not what I used to be. I don't pray like I used to pray. I don't read like I used to read. I don't get quiet before the Lord. I thought it was interesting. One of the things that, that uh, Mr. Matthew Henry said, they needed to keep Sabbath. And he wasn't a Jew or a Seventh-day Adventist. He said a lot of people get careless in their Sabbath keeping until it's no longer a holy day set aside for the Lord, his purposes. And I don't know if you've gotten careless about the Sabbath. If you've gotten careless about the Sabbath, uh, seek God. And I know some of us probably draw some boundaries that you weren't taught to draw, and that's okay. I'm not saying we're going to be 100% here, but I am saying you're going to have to have an attitude that says, Lord, I just want to be obedient to every command that you've given me. And if there's something in my Sabbath keeping that you're not happy with, talk to me about it. I'll be your man. I'll make a course correction. I'll do an about face change. That won't be a part of who I am in anymore if that's what you want to talk to me about. But you're going to, have to do some repentance. And can I tell you what will happen? Let's say 1 John 1, 9 together. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Dear heart, if you'll do that, do what God was asking them to do. He will change your life and renew the power of the Holy Spirit in you, fill you with the joy and love of the Lord, and you can face 2021 with victory in your heart, revival in your soul, be a blessing to the fellowship of the redeemed, and no peace with God and the hope of life eternal. Amen. Father in heaven, you know who's in the house tonight. And it may be that you're talking to someone who's borne your name. They've had a reputation, but it's lost its zeal. It's lost its power. It's lost its joy. And I pray, Father, that you bring them to a place of brokenness and repentance before the Lord. They just confess they're not what they used to be. Lord, it might be someone who's been struggling, perhaps, over some areas of surrender to the Lord. And you in faithfulness have asked them to come again tonight and throw themselves on your mercy and say, Lord, I'll surrender anything you talk to me about. I'm on your hands. I'm turning around from doing it my way, and I'm going to do it God's way. And I pray, Father, if there are any in the house who have never known what it is to have sins forgiven, that they will find a place of, of uh, repentance, of turning around and surrendering to the Lord and trusting the cleansing blood of Jesus to wash every sin away and inscribe their name 
in the Lamb's book of life. You could do that. We thank you for your faithfulness to challenge our hearts tonight with the message to Sardis. And Father, may every one of us square to it in just the way that you want us to. And may it affect any changes that you want to affect. Most of all, we want to glorify your name. We don't want to just be a name. And yet inside, Jesus said, be full of dead men's bones. We've got to be more. We've got to have the genuine and be the genuine. Oh, help us to be that in your uh, need for a light in the darkness around us. May we be that light. We're trusting thee for it. We ask you to cleanse us from unrighteousness, anything that you have revealed to us and challenged our hearts with or talked to us about personally. Lord, may we leave forgiven and cleansed and made whole and know the real assurance of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. God bless you.